Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the Gospel of Mark, entitled, Who is this guy? Jesus. Jesus suddenly faces opposition again from the Pharisees and the rabbis again. The last time they opposed Jesus was all the way back in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now, in Mark chapter 7 and verse 1, we read, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. So the religious leaders back in Jerusalem have become incredibly jealous and threatened of Jesus' popularity and Jesus' unorthodox, unconventional methods. And so they started a smear campaign against Jesus. And they sent these teachers of the law, some rabbis from Jerusalem, to go and spy on Jesus like modern-day journalists looking for dirt. And they find some. Jesus and his disciples don't wash their hands before eating. Now this has nothing to do with hygiene. They're not complaining that Jesus is unhygienic. They are referring to being ceremonially unclean. That means that someone is unfit for worship. They are unfit to be in the presence of God. As Mark explains in verses 3 and verse 4, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So this has nothing to do with hygiene. And nor does it have anything to do with being immoral. It's not about doing some evil sin. No. Rather, just normal, natural, certain functions that we do in everyday life would render someone unclean. Such as having sexual relationships with your spouse would render you unclean. Touching a dead body would render you unclean. A birth of a child would render the mother unclean. Being a leper would render you unclean. And most importantly within this context, touching a non-Jew would render you unclean. Or even touching a non-observant Jew, like Jesus' disciples who don't wash their hands, would render you unclean. In fact, if you were to touch an object that had been touched by a non-Jew or a non-observant Jew, that too would render you unclean. You would become contaminated. So, after being at market, it is highly probable that you have become contaminated. You have become unclean. And therefore, according to the tradition of the elders and the tradition of the rabbis, you needed to be ceremonially washed. Now, there is absolutely nothing in the Bible that speaks about being ceremonial, having these ceremonial washings. 
It's the tradition of the elders, the tradition of the rabbis, that say you need this. The Old Testament laws only say that the priest needs to be ceremonially clean before he eats the sacrificial offerings in the temple in the presence of God. But the rabbis have expanded this law to include all Jews eating anything at any time. As such, they've made every Jew's house a temple, every table an altar, and the food the sacrifice. Why would they do that? Well, over here, we need to understand the mindset of these rabbis and these Pharisees. See, they believe that God has called all Jews to be holy. And that if they are holy, if they are obedient, then God would bless them. But they are not experiencing the blessing of God. The Romans have occupied the land and are exploiting them. So how can they experience the blessing of God? Well, this is what they think. They think, let's show God how serious we are about being holy. How serious we are about obeying the laws. Let's not just obey the laws that we have to. Let's go above and beyond. Let's obey the laws that only the priests have to obey. Surely then God will see how serious we are about being holy and He would bless us. So they developed all these rules called the tradition of the elders to raise the bar even higher. And they're fanatical about this. But the big issue is that they have the mentality that holiness works from the outside in. If you get the outside doing the right things, then the inside, the heart, will catch up. And we kind of do the same things. Do I only come to church when my heart is ready to worship? No. Sometimes I have to drag myself to church, and I'm the preacher. But then the heart catches up. As soon as I start worshipping, I love it. So they believe that holiness works by if you do the right, the right things on the outside, if you do the right things, then the heart will catch up. They believe that holiness works from the outside in. And they are fanatical about this. And they want every Jew to join them in this. In fact, they live in a culture where they believe that God will not bless them unless every Jew conforms to their way of being holy. If Jesus and his disciples don't conform to their standard of holiness, then they won't experience the blessing of God. So this is their problem. Jesus and the disciples don't conform to their way of doing holiness. This is a major problem for them. So we read in verse 5, So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders 
instead of eating their food with defiled hands. They pick a fight with Jesus. It's very public. It's in the open. The whole point of this fight is to win the loyalty of the crowd. So they're, they're appealing to the crowds and they're saying, Look, see, you see Jesus' disciples, they don't follow our traditions. If Jesus was really a rabbi, if Jesus really knew the Bible as well as we do, he would know better. This isn't someone you should be following. They're trying to convince the crowd or trying to discredit Jesus in front of the crowd so they would stop following Jesus and start following them. How is Jesus going to respond to this accusation? Well, Jesus initially doesn't answer the question directly, but rather, firstly, he attacks the underlying assumption that holiness works from the outside in. And we read in verse 6, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus calls them hypocrites because they are focusing on outward appearances rather than on the inner heart. And by quoting Isaiah, he's effectively saying, you know, you too say all the right things, do all the right things, you look so godly, you look so holy, but your heart is far from God. He's effectively saying your whole system doesn't work. Your approach that holiness works from the outside in doesn't work because all you end up doing is focusing on the outside, focusing on your rules and your regulations and your customs rather than on your heart, which really matters. And the heart is all about loving God and loving others. It's not about following extra rules. And you think by following these extra rules that God's going to be pleased with you? Well, the Bible itself says that God is sick and tired of you always getting the outward right, but with a heart that is corrupt. He's effectively saying your whole system, your whole approach of holiness working from the outside in is flawed. It does not work. Secondly, he says you're not even getting it right on the outside. Now let's assume for a moment that holiness does work from the outside in. He's saying, well, you don't even get it right on the outside. He reminds them in verse 10 that the Bible, the Ten Commandments, say that you need to honor your mother and your father. But they have come up with this complicated system called a Corban vow. Kind of functions like a tax break for ministers. You know, you've got your, your needy parents, they become very old, they become very needy, financially needy, and they come to you for help, and you say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I've taken a vow of Korba. All my possessions I have dedicated to God. I'm sorry, I can't give you anything because they're God's. Of course, you can still live off your possessions and your money. 
So this Corbin vow was just a great excuse not to help your needy parents. It was a loophole to disobey the law of God. And you know what the worst thing was about? It looks like they are so holy and devoted. Look how, look, I've devoted all my possessions to God. Look how holy and devoted I am. What hypocrites. You see, that's what happens when you believe holiness works from the outside in. You make a complete mockery of God and God's laws. Jesus says in verse 13, Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. You see, if you become so focused on the outside about obeying rules and regulations, you miss the whole point. You miss what it's all about. It's all about loving God and loving other people. And if your so-called obedience to the Bible means that you don't love God or love other people, then you've missed the whole point. And Jesus turns the tables on these rabbis. He effectively says, you come here and you say, I don't obey your human traditions. But who doesn't obey the word of God? Because you use your rules and your traditions and your legalism to undermine the very intention and the heart of the law of God. Effectively, he's saying you don't even get it right on the outside. It's at this point that Jesus actually answers their question directly. And he does so by telling them a parable. A crude parable at that about toilet use. I mean, you kind of, when you think of uh, Jesus, you think uh, he would say, well, consider the lilies in the field. But over here he goes, well, consider when you go to take a... And it's pretty crude and graphic toilet humor. It's not, you know, our nice, clean, plumbing, plumb toilets like in Jody's bathroom. Uh, it's, it's these ancient, public, non-plumbed toilets that Jesus is talking about. So let's read verse 15. Uh, he first of all says, Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. That's meaning if you eat unclean food or if you eat food without ceremonially washing your hands. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And again in verse 18, he says, Don't you see that nothing that enters the person from the outside can defile them, for it doesn't go into the heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. That is a very polite translation of some very graphic Greek, just by the way. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. It's as if Jesus said, okay, let's talk about this holiness from the outside in. You say certain foods will make you unclean. Well, let's talk about that. You eat the food, it goes into your stomach, and it goes into the toilets. It doesn't matter if the food is clean or unclean, whether you've ceremonially washed your hands or if you haven't. It all ends in the same place. 
You see, it doesn't make a difference about what goes in your mouth. It's what comes out of your mouth. For your mouth is the trapdoor of your heart. Your mouth will reveal what's in your heart. And that's what really matters. And so he says in verse 20 and following, What comes out of the person is what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, ebony, slander, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. What Jesus is saying is holiness doesn't work from the outside in, but from the inside out. It's the heart that is important. That is where true holiness is found. And that is our problem. Our problem is our heart. There's so much evil within our heart. What do we do? Well, we could do what the rabbis do. Obey a whole lot of external rules like the purity laws. But that's only papering over the cracks. It doesn't change our heart. What we need is a new heart. A clean heart. And Jesus' goal is to purify us from the inside out. His goal is to give us a clean heart. This is nothing new. This is what the old purity laws had always been pointing to. This is what the Old Testament prophets always long for. Oh, the day that God would write His laws upon my heart so I would do the right things. What Jesus is implying is that that day has arrived in Him. And it's through His death and His resurrection that He deals with our sin, that He deals with the evil in our heart so we can be forgiven. So we can receive a clean heart, a purified heart, by the Holy Spirit. Wow! Who is this guy, Jesus, who implies that He can give us and purify our heart? How do we practically ensure that we have a clean heart. I mean, Jesus is right. Uh, The problem is our heart. To be honest, I would prefer the old Pharisee method. Just give me a couple of rules to follow. Just tell me a couple of things I need to do. That would be so much easier. I mean, I know the problem is in my heart, but if only the solution was, well, go to church every Sunday, read your Bible every day, pray every day, make sure you give your 10% tithe to the church, and you'll be okay. That'll be so much easier. If that was the case, then I would do what the rabbis do. I would make sure that I give more than my 10%. I would make sure that I would read my Bible and pray twice a day. I would go to church and to home group. I would even become teetotal. 
I would make sure I never use bad language. I would always make sure that I'm dressed respectably, my Sunday bests. Surely that would do it. But that too is just papering over the cracks. It's just dealing with the surface. Doesn't change the heart. What we need is a new heart. A purified heart. So what do we do? How can we experience this purity from the inside out? How can we have a clean heart? Well, firstly, we need to acknowledge that we have a heart problem. That there is so much evil in our heart. Then secondly, we have to confess that to Jesus. And ask Jesus to clean our heart. And then we have to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And purify our hearts. And give us a generous heart. A kind heart. A loving heart. Again, if we are honest, I think we would have to admit that we so often live from the outside in. We are so often so quick to judge other people because they don't follow Jesus the way we do. We judge them by the way they wash their hands and their pots and cups. We judge them by the way they worship. What's with all this clapping hands and raising of their hands? Or, or why do they always just stand so still? Or we judge them by the way they dress. What's with these old-fashioned Sunday suits? Oh, how dare they come in with shorts and, and a t-shirt. Or about the language, how dare they speak like that. Or we judge them because they smoke, or because they drink, or because they don't drink. And we think we better because we act differently. But the real issue is not how we act, but it's a matter of the heart. I want to follow Jesus from the inside out. I don't want to judge people by the way they dress or what they buy. I don't want people to judge me by how many times I pray or how well I remember the Bible. I want to have a compassionate heart that is quick to forgive. I want to have a generous heart. A kind heart. A loving heart. I want to follow Jesus from the inside out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that we would find it so much easier if we just had a few rules we had to follow. If you could simply make us do a few little hurdles to jump through and say, that's it, I'm fine. We could ignore the heart. We could ignore the real problem. Focus on the externals would be so easy. And Father, we confess that so often we do live from the outside in rather than focusing on the heart. Father, won't you forgive us for that? Won't you help us to ensure that we have that clean heart that you call us to have? Heavenly Father, won't you help us to acknowledge that we, we have a heart problem, that we need you to cleanse our heart, to purify our heart and, and renew a right spirit in us. Oh, Father, we long for that heart that is quick to forgive, full of compassion and love and generosity. 
Father, we realize it's not the easy way, but we realize it's the way you call us to. So won't you, by your Holy Spirit, empower us, indwell us. Right now, Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would cleanse our hearts, purify us, and empower us to be like Jesus. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.